Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is June 29th, 2022. We're coming up on half of the year. Uh, done 2022. We're coming up on it. So we want to uh, talk about where we are. Um, it's Romans 11 and verse 12. And we hope that we will be able to focus our attention on that. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Thank you, Father, for this time and opportunity that we have to talk about your word, your precious word that has been preserved for us from ages past. We thank you for those who have joined and we pray for wisdom as we begin to focus our attention on that which you have told us. We thank you, Father, for your provisions while here in this world. We thank you that we are able to survive and to not only survive, but to thrive and grow in knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding. So Father, we pray for those who are sick among us, those who are in pain. In fact, uh, you know the names, in particular Dave's daughter, Lenora, who still is struggling. Father, there are many other names uh, I could mention, but that comes to top of mind today. Uh, also, Father, we pray that as we continue, that we will have the courage to follow your word, even though we read it and we understand it, that we will have the courage to execute those things that you have put in our heart. All this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. All right. So Amen. we're studying in Romans eleven twelve today, and it reads, But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will be their full with their full inclusion bring? So uh, that's our verse. We'll break it down in your notes. When God undertakes the working of his plan, we must remember he is doing the work and we are the ones beholding his glorious plan unfold. We can only marvel and look with wonder of his intentions and perfect will. We are creatures of time and we see things linearly because of this we will do, because of this, we will do that. In other words, that's how we, we respond to time. But God already knew what would happen before he created time. He is not reactive when it comes to human history. When we learn this to the degree that God already knows, we can fully trust our lives to God and have the peace and confidence about our lives, which does not depend on circumstances. Quote, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Comes from Romans 8, 38 and 39. So we'll get right into it and we'll see if we have any time left for some Q&A as we normally do, but we're going to dig right in. So this first phrase, but if their transgression means riches for the world, and I ask, what is their transgression? Uh, and, it, and I answer my own question. It is their failure, their fall into unbelief and turning their backs on God who created them. Their fall into unbelief also can, we must consider <clears throat> how uh, they rejected their Messiah to his face. He came to that which was his own and his own did not receive him. So imagine that. Of, of all the people who should have known who the Messiah is, who should have anticipated them, waited for him, talks about, when we think about all that, who, who, this is the golden age that they are all looking forward to. They rejected him to his face. This is a colossal failure. This is not just a failure. This is the most horrible thing they could have done in all the things that they did. And that goes beyond the rejection was not just, oh yeah, we don't want you. Rejection was, we're going to kill you. We will crucify you. But it is not uncommon for what they have done in their history and killing the prophets and stoning those who were sent to them. Wow. So we, we understand their transgression is bad. And so point B, they were created to be the people of God, the priest nation to the world. God told Abram, and this is what he said in Genesis when he first called. It's not even, his name is not even Abraham yet. He, he called him. He said, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Ah, what a promise. What a promise. God is certainly for Abram. He's not, a, and not only is he for Abram, but God's protection of Abram is also included in his promise. Not only his protection, but his blessing. The blessing refers to responsibility. The place where Abraham would be is a position of responsibility. God will raise him up to that, put him in service, his service, his plan, and Abraham will, this is what he will be. He says, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Why, why would we say that? Because through Abraham's seed, we get, we get Christ. In fact, Paul brings out, it's not to seeds, it is to this seed. So when God is talking about Abraham and all the peoples of the world will be blessed through him. He's talking about Christ. That's how they will be blessed, through the person and work of Christ. That's And how will we, we're blessed no matter what. I like it, the verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Where it says, this is a noteworthy statement that should be accepted. 
that Christ, he is the savior of all mankind and especially of those who believe. So, so sure enough, when I look at the work of Christ, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through him. He's the sa- he paid for every sin of every person that would ever be born on planet earth. And we say will be born because not all the people have been born. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram, what a tremendous responsibility you have. The weight of the world is on your shoulders, really? I mean, this is, this is, this is a tremendous thing to think about. How could Abraham, this person who's ancient in times, uh, didn't have much means, it wasn't a huge technology uh, in the time of Abraham, but that's how it works. God is saying, Abraham, I'm, when he says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, he's saying, I, I will provide protection for you to do this marvelous thing I'm saying that is going to happen through you. I will provide the means for you to make your way in this world. I, I'm, it's not just on you to develop an army and be tough about it. I will do this. God is taking that upon himself. Point C. Through Abram, God had big plans. Not just for Abraham's descendants, but for the whole world, as we just said. I mean, this is this is how, when we think about it, um, Abraham eventually became a name that was recognized not only in Christianity and, and Jewish or Israel, but in other nations of the earth. Other nations are blessed by the work of Abraham. So when we think about it that way, we can see God's the reality of God's truth coming into view. We can understand how it all works uh, and how each person is blessed through Abraham. So, so let's look at, let's keep going because uh, we got a lot more to cover. Point D, the riches of the world. All right, so this, we're back to our context, but if their transgression means riches for the world, let's think about that, the riches of the world. How does their shortcomings and failures bring riches to the world? We might think, it was a setback for God and the world. So this is a, this is a question. So in this, you, you want to ask yourselves questions about what is actually being said. Just to accept that it says that, we should ask why. Why does it say that? How does that work? So when we're looking at the word, it, cha- it should challenge us to think along those lines. Uh, if we understand it, okay. But if you don't, you need to really question the verse to say, hmm, that's it. that says something pretty kind of uh, oxymoronic. How could their failure mean riches for the world? I mean, you would think, because we, we already discovered last week, or actually weeks prior, that God's 
plan for Israel is part of his eternal purpose. So God can't fail. I mean, if Israel, we already saw what God said to Abram. He said, Abram, I'm going to do this. Not only am I going to, through you, I'm going to do this. Well, if Abraham fails, then really God fails. If Israel fails, God fails. But it's not really on Abraham or Israel. It's on God to fulfill his purposes in the, in the world. So we can't have failure for Israel, for the church, for anybody, because it would mean failure for God. I hope, hope you understand that point. And for people to resign Israel to failure and then say, oh, well, we're replacing them with the church. That's not God's plan to replace Israel with the church. Israel still has a testimony to give, as we see in the tribulation. So we'll get to that. So this point D, let's it breaks down into some other points. So the riches of the world, how does the shortcomings and failures being riches to the world, how, how does that work? We might think it was a setback for God and the world. That's what most people could actually gather. Uh, Israel failed, so that means whatever job they had would not be fulfilled. So there's 10 points about that. One, their failure is not God's failure. God already knew this would happen, but we did not. We learned it, but God knew it. So there's a big difference there. So when we say Israel failed, did, was God fooled by Israel? Did he, when, when Moses, uh, when they were out in the desert, after they heard the law, and Moses wanted them basically to sign the covenant, which was the Mosaic law, God had given them, God had given them the law, and so Moses took hyssop, put it on a branch, and he had a sacrifice. And it, all the people of Israel were before him. And they said, all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. I'm sure they didn't say hath. That's King James English. But they said, all that the Lord has said, we'll do it right and so moses took that branch with the hyssop on it dipped it in the blood and he sprinkled it all over the people now of course there wasn't a few people this is but it's representative him sprinkling the people is to say that the covenant was by blood and i'm sure god already knew when he did that that israel would fail he knew their stubbornness he knew about their um, resistance to the Holy Spirit that they would reject salvation he understood all that how they would cling to the law and think that somehow they would be justified before God but God understood their failure and he still called them he still put them uh, in play as his nation so knowing this is not something that we uh, come to we've come to learn this in time but God already knew this from eternity past so did it slow God down did it stop him did it cause him to fail not at all not at all their failures are not God's failures but God already saw this and he already worked through it many times there were judgments that he told them they would have even before they failed he says if you do this this is what will happen if you do that that is what will happen. Point number two. 
Knowing this, God made a bad situation into that which shows his glory and wisdom. If, if you think about how he did it, it boggles the mind because we don't have the same view of history that God does. We have what we would call a linear view, pretty much straight line. You know, we, we deal with things as they come. Uh, somebody says, you're out of a job, you, you're fired, or you're laid off. And you didn't know that, but then you have to respond. You have to say, okay, well, let's, given I'm out of a job, given I'm uh, this and that, I've got to now decide what I'm going to do, and then we figure it out. It's different when you know all things before they even happened or even before people were born. You knew it already. So God says in, in 1133, now we're not at 1133 Romans yet, but I just want to read the verses because they sort of help us understand the knowledge and wisdom of God. So verse 33, oh, the depth of of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? No one is the answer to that. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? No one. God doesn't owe anybody anything for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This is something we don't really, even though we can read these verses, it's hard. It's hard. And how he dealt with Israel and now how he shifted. He brought forward his mystery plan and now he's dealing with the church. And you, for us, the way we think about things, we say, oh, well, so God, Israel failed. God rejected Israel, and now he had to have plan B, which is the church. So plan B is in place now. So what about Israel? Well, <laughs> too bad for them because God rejected them. That's why he had to go to the church. All of that is linear thinking. It is not God's understanding from eternity. He knew it already. Not something that he needed to figure out along the way like we do. So that's something that when we understand that about who God is, it's going to give us great, as we said in the opening, confidence and trust, a peace that goes beyond circumstances. So point three in our notes. God was not taken by surprise with Israel's failure. We already know in Romans 10.1, God, through Paul, said that Israel was lost. Rather, God used this moment to reveal his hidden agenda. So imagine that. So did God know that he was going to bring his... Yes, he knew he was going to bring his hidden agenda. And notice what I'm calling it, hidden agenda. Ephesians 3.10 and 11. Read, His intent was that now, through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms 
according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was hid in Christ. Verse 9 says, who created all things. All of this was planned. It's not like, well, God, man, Israel, sure, they sure did disappoint me. What are we going to do now? Well, let's come up with the church. No, no, no. That's our thinking. We're talking about God's eternal purpose. He was not surprised at Israel's failure. This was God's plan to reveal it at this particular time. Now, do you, did God know that the timing of Israel's failure would also be the timing of the Pentecost and the church? The Holy Yes, he knew it. That's what we should understand. Point four. Israel failed, yes. But then God released the next phase of his plan. Think about it that way. It was God's, it was appropriate, not only was it appropriate, but here, Ephesians 3, 2 through 4. Here it is. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That word administration is the word dispensation. You know, there are people who today say there is no such thing as dispensations. They said that's not true. That's something that was cooked up. Dispensations is not real. Where is that found in the Bible? <laughs> I, w I hope they ask me because I would point them right to the scripture. This is it. There's an administration, a dispensation of God's grace. Paul said it was given to me for you. That is the mystery. So this mystery is not just the information that we have. It's not just the revelation of God's heart to us. It is the time in which we live. Nobody knew that we would be in this period. Nobody knew that there would be this time period at all. It was made known to me by... Well, how do I know that? Because that's what administration means. If there was a hidden dispensation, let's just take that. No, not if, since there was a hidden dispensation. That means that there have to be other dispensations that are not hidden. Already, what do we have? Dispensations. That's what we got. Dispensation is hidden. That means God had dispensations that were not hidden, that were revealed. We can, if we, if we fail at understanding dispensations, we fail to make a distinction between Israel and the church. That verse three, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation have I, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Did Paul, was he the only one who received this information? No. No, not at all. There's, there's some people who believe this hyper-dispensationalist. They say, oh no, God only gave it to Paul. He only gave it to Paul. Keep reading. It tells you he gave it to his holy apostles and prophets. It's to all of us. I mean, just, so... You know, in thinking of all of this, and there's an analogy, and I know where I'm at in my notes. I'm at um, point four, right? Israel failed, yes. 
But then God released the next phase of his plan. And I read, that's where we're at. But I just want to say, I remember when I was in North Carolina. West, way west of North Carolina. And we were going to uh, my wife's um, father's sister's funeral. She lived way out there, almost next to the border, way west, as you, far west as you can go. And we, it was a very hilly area. You could be riding on the street, and then all of a sudden, on the right, there might have been mountains going up. On the left of you, it could be just like, if you just go off the road, you could fall in the ditch. I mean, your car, don't. So it was bad. You had to really pay attention. You couldn't be, let's say a person who was a drunk driver would be in terrible straits in this area because it was so hilly. And even, and this is a terrible thing to say, but when we were on our way to the funeral, you know, we have like a lot of cars. One of the cars ran off the road. And these were family members, people who were in the family, ran off the road and fell into this a ditch like I was talking about. And they, they died. This was on our way to her father's sister's funeral. Some family members were in the procession and rode off the road and died. I just remember how hilly and it was treacherous. And part of the reason why I'm telling you this is because that is how the landscape is in this world for us to navigate. There are things where people have gone off the deep end of truth or they have taken off in another direction and they've thought they've climbed up this high hill. They have not kept their eyes on the spirit of truth, the road of the spirit of truth. And if you don't, if you don't keep your eyes on the word of God, then you're going to fall off. I mean, and it's dangerous, right? You have to pay attention. That's what it reminds me of. And which is why I have to mention, as a shepherd, these pitfalls that are out there in the world. You may not have seen them. You may not have witnessed them. You might say, why is he talking about that? I have. I have seen all of these isms and schisms and uh, things that people have come up with that don't make sense, that are not founded in the Word of God. But I have to mention them anyway. So bear with me as I take those diversions. Point number five. The timing of his plan was not by happenstance. You know, that's how we think things happen. Happenstance. You say, yeah, this happened, and then right after that happened, this happened, and then and this happened, and, and we keep going on, right? And we say, that was how God led me. God already knew. He, did, he knew how he was going to lead you. Why is it that we don't have the confidence at first to say God is leading and directing? But we think about it later, and, we, and then we figure it out. We say, oh, that's too many things that happened. No, no, that couldn't have been, that was God. But God, his plan was not by happenstance. God, things didn't just happen 
and then God reacted and say, okay, so next thing I did was this, and then this happened. No, it was the direct will of God established before the universe was created. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, it says, But when the set time had fully come, so there it is right there, God has a timetable for things to happen. It's not just, well, uh, we'll work up to it as things happen. No, when the set time, God had a set time. And what was it for? God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. <coughs> Excuse me. That he might receive that we might receive, not he, that we might receive the adoption to sonship. So notice the progression. So Christ came into the world, right, to die for the sins of the world. But on the heels of that, God had always planned from eternity past to bring about this unique age at this particular time. I mean, how are we going to be conformed to the image of his son if we don't even have the image of his son yet? We don't. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the four firstborn over all creation, right? By him, all things. We have those verses to talk about who he is. He came. How could we have been conformed to his image if he's not even here yet? So it was at a particular time. That's what God is saying. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, Born under the law, that's where he came from, to redeem those under the law. He brought salvation that we might receive adoption to sonship. That adoption to sonship is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's who we become by means of us being baptized into the body of Christ. So there it is. Because you are sons, verse 6, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So we have the Spirit of a Son. So our experience in this world won't be, well, I hope I'm a son. I, I read it. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to just trust it. Oh, he gives you the Spirit of Sonship in your heart to know that you belong. That's who you are. It's important, important for us to understand these verses because... It helps us know that it just didn't happen without planning. God knew this before he created the universe. He knew exactly where you are. He understood right now who you are, what you're thinking, and what you're going to do. He knows. We don't know, but he knows. That was point number five. Six, Israel was in the place of blessing for sure. Right? This, this, we can't deny that God had this lofty plan for Israel. He did. Look at some of the verses. Romans 3, 1 through 4. Since we're, let's, no, let's head to Romans 3, 1 through 4. Let's read it. This comes off the heel of, heels of uh, what God did with Israel and showing them their flaw. He says, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? 
or what value is there in circumcision? And those, those are questions that Jews really need to think about because they thought that they had superior advantage. Superior. Paul addresses that. He doesn't say, no, you guys are all wrong. No, he, he addresses it from the standpoint of truth. Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. Wow. So, so think about it. God didn't just give his word to everybody. He gave it to those who were Jews. The, the world did not have the word of God. Now, of course, the spirit, of, the spirit took to the world to convict people and to bring them and lead them to salvation. However, the Jews had the word of God. They were the caretakers of the word of God. It wasn't just like, well, we have it. No, their, their scribes were employed to make sure the copying of the words were accurate down to the last jot and tittle of every uh, everything. So they made sure they they counted the words. They did all. They had all these methods of of making copies and all of that, so that they could be accurate and certain that what we have in our hands, when we look at the Old Testament, was kept. Paul acknowledges that in verse two, much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Were their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Nope, because God's hand was over theirs, directing them to preserve the word. Even if they were unfaithful. That's what some people would say. The Jews, they were unfaithful. Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. So this is, this is important in other ways for us when we understand how God uh, blessed Israel and what God had given them. Listen, it wasn't only the fact that they were the priest nation to the world. Nine, five, and four and five, is it? Yeah, four and five. Romans nine, four and five. The people of Israel. <clears throat> I love Paul's description here, so I thought I'd read it. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God overall, forever praised. Amen. When I read that, it just, I, I love reading those scriptures that just praise God for what he has done. And that, that's one of them. And so we, we have to say, we have to thank Israel and, and know that God is not finished with them yet. They are placed in a position of blessing. Yes, they failed. Yes, they did. Point seven. What we know now is that Israel will fulfill their purpose before God while the church assumes, notice, some of their responsibilities. Notice we assume some of their responsibilities, not all of them. And, and that is why we look at um, their favored nation status, right? Uh, the blessing 
when I say the blessing, I mean the responsibility. And this is point number eight, the blessing, meaning the responsibility we have, but not the favored nation status. Right? We're, we're the church. We're not in some nation uh, that is under Israel is now conferred to every believer in this unique age. And that is what is meant by salvation has come to the Gentiles. In our previous verse 11 that we just covered last week, that's what is meant by that, where salvation has come to the Gentiles. People were saved before uh, the Jews were, were created through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. People were saved prior to that. Abraham was saved when he was a Gentile as we know from Romans 4. So it's important to note that, yes, we have assumed some of the responsibility, not all. And, uh, but we got the blessing. What's the blessing? The responsibility in this taking the gospel to the world. God's feet on the ground are those who are now in the church, not Israel. Where's Israel? They're under discipline. They have a spirit of stupor, uh, blindness. Uh, if you ask somebody who go to Israel and ask them what's the gospel, they'll tell you go to the temple, convert to Judaism if that's what you want to do. But there is no gospel there. The gospel is with the church. So Second Corinthians five eighteen through twenty we covered it earlier, but let's look at it real quick. Second Corinthians five. 18 says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This was Israel's job. They were ministers of reconciliation. They were ambassadors for God. We are ambassadors of Christ, but they were ambassadors for God. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. So God reconciling him, himself to the world, reconciling the world to himself. But notice in Christ, this is when Christ was here, God did the work necessary to reconcile them. Who did it? God the Father was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And he's not counting people's sins against them. If you go out and tell people this, they're going to naturally recoil. Naturally. You know why? Because they have placed sin on such a high level of problem between you and God that it cannot be resolved unless you do the work. God has already done the work, and people, all, all they have to do is trust in the work of God. But they can't do that. So this is a tough, what you might say, a hard saying. But this is the very gospel that we're supposed to go out and tell people. God is not counting people's sins against them. If you go tell somebody that, that God is not counting your sins against you. They may even say, yeah, I believe that. It's Christ. But then when you get down to it, they'll say, no, certain sins. I, no, no, I can't. If I did that, I would not think God is going to continue to keep me saved. You know, we've been talking about this a lot, but the point that I'm making is it is not something that they want to hear. 
people would rather that they expunge their record themselves, that they work hard and, and clean up themselves. They would rather have it that way than to believe and trust that salvation is free and is not about sin. If God's not counting your sins against you, then that means sin's not the issue. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So you mean we have to go tell people this? This is what we should be telling people? This is hard for people to understand. And, but that's it. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So if God were here right now, if he were here, this is what he would tell people. This is what he would be telling people about sin. Especially the fact that Christ died for sins. I mean, he did it already. If that means anything, if, if it was any value to that, then we need to make sure that's the message that we tell people. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about, well, God loves us so much. He loves us. We are, his love just gushes out and he, it just envelops everyone. I know that's the message a lot of people want to have on their lips. What message should we have on our lips according to this verse? We got to let people know that they're off the hook. That God is not counting sins against them. It's got to be the number one reason why people are not saved. Because of sin and guilt and shame. But, you know, we were born in sin. This is our behavior. And this is normal for us to be sinners. Wow, it's normal to be sinners. A lot of people don't know that. I know we were talking, Bill was talking, he says, yeah, I have to go back to, to the beginning a lot of times because people don't have the orientation to why we're in the situation, the boat we are in. It's because of our birth. That's why we're here. It's not, did we do anything? No. This is, this is who we are in Adam. Anyway, there could be more said about this, but the point that I'm, I really wanted to make was Israel was supposed to take this message to the world, not just us. Can you imagine Israel telling people that God is not counting their sins against them? Can you imagine that? I mean, here they were. Don't touch me. You're a dirty sinner. Don't, but I can't go over there because there's dirty sinners over there. Oh, I'm unclean because I let a, a Gentile touch me. And just think about how opposite that is from what this verse says. Should have been what they were leading with to Gentile nations. Hey, let me tell you something. God has a substitute coming. Your sins are not an issue before him. You can come to him free of charge. It's by grace. No, but that wasn't their message to the Gentile world. But guess what? It will be in the tribulation. What, what say they in the tribulation? Matthew 24, 13. I know it's not in your, your notes. Uh, well, it's, maybe, it's not, maybe it's not even 24, 13. Let's read it. Um, 
let's see uh, but where is it many will turn away but it says in this gospel, yeah, it's verse 14. I thought it was around there, but I was wrong. 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. Now, who's going to preach it? Israel. It will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. It doesn't mean that everybody will believe it, but it will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. God will have his testimony even in the most darkest of times in human history. He will have his testimony. What will they be t talking about? What will they be preaching? What is this gospel? But there's only one gospel. And we took the mantle from Israel. Remember, we temporarily took it. They will have taken it back by this time because we will be gone. The rapture will have happened. And Israel will assume, again, this responsibility, this what we call blessing. And they will preach to the ends of the world as a testimony so that all nations will know that God is not counting their sins against them and he wants them to be reconciled to God. It is as though God was speaking through us. Be reconciled on these grounds, on the work of Christ. Anyway, that was my thought as to why I would bring that verse and that point when it comes to uh, the blessing, right? The responsibility. It's not about being a favored nation or anything. Point nine, note. One more time. Okay, well... We'll finish these points, and then we'll come back next week. So point nine, note, the U.S. or U.K., or whatever nation you can name today, you plug it in, what nation you think is, you know, you want, is not and will never be the Israel of the world. Israel has a glorious future, and no nation, no Gentile nation, will ever be the Israel of the world. Now, that's important to note because a lot of people, even though they know, okay, we're not Israel, but they said, well, if, but if we behave like Israel, if we just do the things Israel did, then we will have the blessings that Israel has. Wrong. God never told you to do that. He never told you to adopt Israel's ways, right? Israel's a special nation. It has, and they're under the Mosaic law. That is something God created uniquely for this world. It is not something you can just mimic and think that somehow you are now Israel now. You're operating in the place of Israel. You are not. Right? It's, that is wrong thinking. We're, and then on top of that, we're the church. We got, the church is not a nation. It's individuals. Israel had people who could believe in Christ or not. The church, everybody in the church, every single person, if you're in the church, you're saved by grace. Or you're not in the church. Every person in the church is an ambassador for Christ. 
in this age. And that doesn't matter. And I say we have people in the church in all nations on in the world. It's a worldwide ministry that we have. Now, we don't necessarily participate in all these places in the world. We participate right where we are right now. Wherever you are, you can participate in your ambassadorship. Israel is Israel. God has a special purpose for them. We cannot mimic them. We cannot be them. Only one who can be them is God's going to restore them and they will perform valiantly. They will. And we're going to talk about what they will do next week when we get to more details about how Israel will function in the world. Point number 10. God's eternal plan revealed is riches for the world, even though our free will has been able to run its course. Now look at Ephesians 1.11 for this. There may be some verses around there as well. So Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So God is not ignorant of all the stuff that we uh, will be involved in in this world. He's not ignorant of it. He knows about it. But he works out everything according to uh, and, conform and in conformity with the purpose of his will. He, he has an intention. God is not passive in all of this. You know, people. some people think, well, God started the creation, but then he took off somewhere. He's aloof. He's not paying attention. And really, we're down here fending for ourselves, and then he checks in on us from time to time. Not hardly the truth. God is working things out within all of the free will decisions of man. He, not that he's, he knows, but his will is able to be executed in this world. If God can do that, if he can execute his will through all the, the negative decisions that are in this world, then certainly we can fulfill his purposes with all the assets he provides us. And you look at some of the things that have happened. There's the flood. There's all kinds of, there's Sodom and Gomorrah. These are serious judgments that were handed down in this world where God had to put his foot down and say, no more. Uh, I have to stop it because if I would let, let this happen, the world will be destroyed. God works within this system of things in order to accomplish his will. That's what this says. We were chosen, having been predestined. And predestined is a word that happened before time began, according to the, to the plan. So that plan was before time began, of him who works out everything. Works out everything means in the midst of all of man's crazy, wicked will 
I mean, we all I got to do is think about Joseph, right? And how God, his, his brothers meant only evil for him. It didn't matter because God meant it for good. God understood that he was working things out in conformity with the purpose of his will. He was getting it done. And, of course, it didn't look good. It didn't look good for Joseph. It didn't look good for the brothers. I mean, you could go along the way and figure out, wow, if we were to stop the story here, then what? We would have never heard about the story because it wouldn't have been a story to tell. But it is a story to tell because we are seeing God's will, the power of his will, being executed in human history. It's important for us to see it that way. We don't want to think that we're down here fending for ourselves, making our own way. In here, uh, by our own power and strength, we're not. We're here by the will of God and His grace that brought us to the place we are, that gives us the mind to think the mind of Christ, to be transformed into his image and his likeness. So we're going to pause uh, for a moment before, if there are any thoughts before we close, and we'll come, we'll come back to the, uh, the rest of these thoughts next week where you have the notes so you can see, you can, you can, uh, you can get ahead of me about that. So you have the notes. I will pause. Any thoughts before we do close out this session? It's good that you mentioned um, Sodom and Gomorrah before. Um, it's, it's funny because um, after God had rescued Lot and his wife turned back and she made herself out to be a full of salt, after that, you didn't hear no more about Lot. Besides, his daughter um, got him drunk in, in a cave, you know. But beyond that point, Lot didn't even mention yeah, I'd have to refresh my memory about that, but I think his daughters did play a major role in their descendants and all of that. But but we Lot is he lives through them. I mean, I, obviously he has a personal relationship with God himself, and we don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go refresh my mind about what happened to Lot in particular. I think he got old and died, but uh, other than that, I can't say I'd have to look at it yeah yeah because they will share that a lot I'll, I'll look at a book a lot lived to be I think 205 then he died but you didn't hear no more from, about about lot you know yeah but you heard about his descendants right yes yes yeah so. well I know that his oldest daughter um got drunk first with the wine and she had the uh, Yeah, because Lot was Abraham's cousin, I believe, but um, he something like that, right? Yeah, right. but he wasn't in the 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 Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, Israel. You know, that's the line. Right. That's the nation. God is not necessarily preserving uh, Lot's legacy like he is Abraham. 
It's through Abraham okay. that God was going to bless the world, and not through Lot. Now, my question was that. My question was, Lot wife saved? I would have to say apparently not, but I can't say for sure. Okay. I would I would tend to think, right. no, she probably wasn't. I mean, based on the story that we have in front of us, that's all we have to determine. We can't really see what was in her heart, but uh, but based on on that, you know, I don't know. I would say, but I would tend to think not. Is there a question that you think maybe she is, or you have some other thought? Share. No, I was just wondering about was his wife saved and was his daughter saved, though. Yeah, I mean, they were certainly familiar with Abraham and the way. Right. And the word and God. So, and God sent to rescue them. Gave Abraham certainly cared about Lot and his family, so God was going to destroy it. But he he gave Abraham opportunity to intercede on Lot's behalf, showing the mercy of God. Yeah. So it's it's the thoughts, yeah. Uh, and, but what are your thoughts? I mean, maybe you read something that. Can, can tell me different or add to what we already know. No, no, I, no I, I, I haven't read anything else. I, I just, I, I just wondering, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah was the judgment of God. But we, I, I noticed the time is gone and um, we had a little time earlier, but uh, we're going to have to continue this thought next week. Thanks for the question, though. Uh, but we are going to close. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity we had this evening. We thank you for the word that you showed us about not only Israel's failure, but your faithfulness. We thank you for the examples that we have in Scripture and how Israel will succeed and, um, and be exactly what you called them to be from eternity past. And we thank you for the calling we have as well and the unveiling, the revelation of the mystery, which is a part of our heritage. All this we ask and thank you in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.